0: You know, just here in in several weeks, we'll be celebrating what has uh, become one of the favorite holidays in the U.S., or at least uh, in the western parts of the world, and that's St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I don't know how many of you enjoy St. Patrick's Day, Uh, however, we usually celebrate it for different reasons than what St. Patrick himself (laughs) represents and uh, maybe, maybe you enjoy that holiday because you get to tap into your Irish roots. Uh, my wife has some Irish roots, so she typically likes to make something really, really Irish like shepherd's pie or some, some corned beef and things like that. And uh, obviously some other liquids are usually flowing pretty heavily that day. <laughs> but you may not know the real-life person, St. Patrick himself. And I'm not going to go deeply into his life, but I encourage you to do so on your own time because he has a pretty remarkable story. If you didn't know, St. Patrick is, believe it or not, not even from Ireland. But yet the Irish people uh, admonish him a lot. Why is that? Well, when he was 16 years old, he was actually on a boat and captured by pirates And these pirates ended up selling him into slavery in the island of Ireland. And while he was in slavery there and imprisoned by the people, and obviously experiencing these rough circumstances as a 16-year-old, he began to become increasingly religious. You see, he believed that one of the reasons why God allowed that to happen to him was because of his lack of faith. So he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and God started working on his heart. And in one day, he had a dream of how to escape his imprisonment, so he did exactly that. A ship came, and he was able to smuggle himself on it and make his way back to his homeland. Interestingly enough, though, as time went on, he began to feel a yearning in his heart, and God gave him a, a vision of the Irish people, and the Irish people literally calling him back to his land, or back to that land, in order to share the faith of the gospel. So before doing that, St. Patrick decides to enter into the priesthood and becomes a priest and then comes back to Ireland and ends up witnessing to the people there. And much of the Christian faith that we see in the land of Ireland comes specifically from this great man's willingness to go back and to come alongside a people that really hurt him in the beginning stages of his life. And I find that story to be really powerful, and I think in many ways it it shares with what we're going to be learning about today. Specifically, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to be reading the story about Philip, who was a disciple of Jesus, and an Ethiopian eunuch. And I really like this story in Scripture because I think it offers for us a really good template of what it means to live your life following the Spirit. And really, how to, as a Christian, come alongside people and care for them enough to be able to share your faith with them. So again, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to be starting in verse 26, and we'll hopefully make our way all the way to verse 40. Acts chapter 8, 26 says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. This phrase comes up here where it says, an angel of the Lord. I want to hover over that for a second. You see, in Scripture, this phrase, angel of the Lord, actually comes up multiple times. And it means a variety of different things, all the way from an appearance of an actual physical angel to a messenger to perhaps Christ himself. So, for instance, if you were to read the book of Daniel and and read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it talks about a figure and an, an angel in there. And I believe that that is a story demonstrating Christ with those people. But that's a message for another time. But what's important to take in this moment is that this person that's speaking to Philip is a servant of God. He's someone that is carrying this message to Philip, and he tells him to do a specific thing, to go from Jerusalem down south through Gaza. Now, this might not mean much to you, You see, I think it's easy for us to read scripture and we just kind of go along with the story, but we need to take time to be able to put ourselves in the context of how they were living and what was going on and what Philip himself might have been thinking in this moment. You see, up until pretty relatively shortly ago, most of the ministry that was happening Was happening in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit fell and came on in that place and empowered the believers. And most of all of what the Spirit was doing was localized in that city. And then to add to that, most of the ministry that was happening, at least from what we see in Scripture, was happening through the act of the apostles. In fact, the book of Acts is sometimes named the act of the apostles or the disciples. But yet here in chapter 8, you see a big transition away from the 12 apostles or the 11 apostles plus the new appointed one. And you see it to this other individual, Philip, who we really don't know a lot about. Now, I think it's important for us to take notice of this for a few different reasons. One, because sometimes God is calling us to do something that doesn't always make sense. You see, ministry was thriving in Jerusalem. For Philip to leave that place and to go south into the unknown would have been incredibly difficult. It would be like if God was calling you to leave the city that you're most familiar with and go to a land where you might not know the language or you might not know the people and you don't have a cell phone to be able to call Uber to pick you up if something goes wrong. So in order for him to do this, he needed to really be sensitive to the Spirit as well as trust what God was calling him to do. This leads me to the first point that I'd like to make today. Are you listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Verse 27, it reads like this. It says, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. You see, I believe that Philip was listening to the Holy Spirit here. And his journey was really being led by God. Now, what does that mean for us? This idea of listening to the Holy Spirit and recognizing that Philip's journey was being led by God. Well, that means that whatever happens would happen because God allowed it that it would be a part of God's plans. And I want to be careful here because we can go in the wrong direction very easily, but I want to bring up an important point that I think every single believer needs to take time to think about. You see, I think as people, we kind of weigh out our actions, uh, or or at least we're kind of two different kinds of people typically. We're, We're either an individual, and this is usually a younger person, although not always, where we don't think about the consequences of our actions at all, right? We just kind of do something. Now, young people, we, we fall victim of this all the time. <laughs> and we do something and we think about the consequences later. So if you're a younger person in the room, maybe I'm preaching to you. If you're an older person in the room, you still do this. It's time to change. <laughs> I see wives nudging husbands and (laughs) husbands nudging wives. (laughs) And the other kind of person could be a person that thinks through their choices that they're making. You know, for the most part, that is a quality that is important in having, right? To be able to think about what kind of effect we're going to have on other people and where our choices will lead us. However, sometimes we can, we can go to the extreme with either or. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's not always wrong to trust God with the results, even though you don't know what's going to happen. You see, I believe that God can call you to do something, and you might not know what that means. You might not know where that's ultimately going to lead you, but you can trust that if God is calling you to do it, then it's a good thing. You see, I think that is exactly what was happening to Philip in this moment. God was calling him to do something, and in all reality, Philip didn't really know what was going to happen next, but he stayed faithful in doing that, and because of that, we're going to see something marvelous happening. The second extreme that I think can happen, and it can happen in a negative, is we try to overly think through every single choice we make. And we fall victim of of paralysis because of that. You know, the the saying is is, um, uh, paralysis of analysis, right? Where we try to overthink our situation. We try to overthink our outcomes. And because of that, we become so crippled by fear because we're trying to control a certain end. And the problem there is, is you either end up becoming a person that tries to be forceful on other people because you try to control everything in your life, including the way people are going to respond to you. If you're a parent, especially, you need to be careful of this and give your children enough leeway in order for them to, to develop and not force them in a direction because they're, they're going to end up choosing the other one, right? I'm learning this well. (laughs) But the other issue that can happen oftentimes is if we think too much about every single consequence, then we can end up not doing anything at all. You see, there's obviously something important happening here there's Philip being told by this messenger, this angel, to go, then as he's going, it literally says, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, right, who's on a chariot reading from the book of Isaiah. What would have happened If Philip instead, hearing from this angel of the Lord, just decided to to, to think about that too much. Well, you know, according to scripture, I need to think about it, and then I need to pray about it, then I need to fast for 30 days, and then after I fast for 30 days, I'll get a committee to talk about it together, and then we'll, we'll try to explore every single option with the committee, and then if the committee is all in agreement with each other, then I'll go to Gaza, but only after I get a support team in place that has a prayer covering over my life, and then we'll go. You know, obviously I'm exaggerating, but there's a little bit of truth in that, right? Where we can overthink uh, the mission that God is calling us to. What would have happened if Philip did that? He would have missed the opportunity to bump into this Ethiopian eunuch. So the question of are you listening to the Holy Spirit as the first point, which I understand is not really a point, it's more of a question, is an opportunity to remind yourself what voice are you ultimately listening to in life. Are you listening to your own, trying to manipulate every single end in your life, or are you listening to what the Spirit has to tell you? Because if you're listening to what the Spirit has to tell you, then there is some good news there. And that is, is that while your actions still matter, ultimately the consequences of those actions are the Lord's. So, for instance, I share my faith regularly with you guys all throughout the week and especially on Sundays. But you're not the only people that God calls me to share my faith with. There are people that I try to reach out with online, and I share my faith with them. I try to write. I try to do videos. I try to do all these things. They're just even bumping, bumping into people in, in different situations of life. And there have been moments where I know God has called me to, to speak specifically to people, and it can be a, a friend or it can be a stranger. And before, I used to have so much anxiety and fear because I wanted to do such a good job that sometimes the opportunity would totally pass itself and I wouldn't do any job at all. And I've come to realize, especially as a pastor, that the most important thing that I can do is just be faithful to what God is telling me to do and that I can't judge my success off of the way everybody responds to it. That I'm going to preach the word, and if by doing that I end up in prison, if doing that I end up not receiving any salvations from this moment, if doing that I end up getting, you know, eggs thrown at me, hopefully don't do that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Then that is not my fault. God's just calling me to preach. God's just calling me to live out my faith. So I can't, I don't don't have to internalize the way people are receiving that. Now that's not a license to be a jerk. (laughs) Some people think that, you know, because God calls us to be a witness to other people, that means that God's calling us to be rude to other people as well. (laughs) And I'm not saying that. But what I am trying to say is is don't get so hung up on the result that you don't attempt to do what God is calling you to do. Amen? Amen. Acts 30 says this. So then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. "'Do you understand what you are reading?' Philip asked." This is the eunuch now replying, "'How can I?' he said, "'unless someone explains it to me.'" So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. "'He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, "'and as a lamb before its shearers, its silent. "'So he did not open his mouth.'" There's a lot going on here, and we need to take some time to talk about it. But the important point of what I think we can learn from this passage is obviously many, but one thing that we're going to discuss today is point two. Trust where the Spirit sends you, and be ready. And We're going to talk a lot about that be ready part. You see, Philip decides he listens to the Spirit, and he starts moving And he starts going down. He bumps into the Ethiopian eunuch. And then the spirit tells Philip again, go to the chariot and stay near it. And does he hesitate? No, he does that. And he goes to the chariot and he stays near that chariot. And then this whole entire conversation breaks out between Philip and this guy that's on a chariot. This speaks to a lot that I think we can use as direct application for our lives. Specifically in verse twenty-nine, the angel telling him to go. That word in the Greek means prosokom ahi, And it specifically means to approach, to come near, to visit. Now, why is that important? Because I believe that the Spirit of God calls us to move, that it calls us to be in motion. You know, when you think about our faith, our faith always needs to be heading in a direction. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the importance of failing forward, right? That even though as Christians, we're going to fail, there needs to be some sort of trajectory of that happening forward, you know, when things are, are still, when things aren't in motion, that's when bad situations can occur, right? Think about our, even our bodies, right? What happens when we have a life that's just sitting only, that's really sedentary? Our, our muscles begin to weaken, and because of that, we end up becoming limited in what we can do think about maybe even a lake or a pond what happens when the water is stagnant it becomes impure and bacteria builds up and then you can't drink from that water let alone maybe even trust the fish that are swimming in it but a water that is flowing has the opportunity to to become purified and clean through through it being in motion We as a church, we as a Christian, your life needs to be lived in motion. Your faith needs to be in motion. You need to think about a direction of where God is calling you to go, and then you need to go. You see, opportunities to do things for the Lord happen when we are listening to His Spirit and when we're ready to move opportunities to do things in the name of jesus don't happen when we close our ears close our eyes and then stay exactly where we are at you want your faith to grow then start thinking about ways to make it a faith in motion you see i think that this is why this story is so powerful because he was willing to move now I have told you guys before that I'm a bit of a runner so it also means that you got to be fit enough to run right <laughs> but there is something to be said that you do need to if Philip in this case right didn't take care of his own body if he wasn't willing to move, and I, I know that not everybody has that opportunity anymore as we get older, our bodies change, right? But he was willing to move and in, in, in come alongside someone in this situation. Now it was probably an ox-drawn carriage, so you know, we think horses, right? And him having to like really hustle, so I mean he was mo- most likely having a speed walk pretty good, but um, it probably wasn't as dramatic as a horse running by him. You have to remember here, though, that as as this opportunity is happening, right, Philip is uniquely positioned here to be able to share the good news of Jesus. I mean, think about it; it's the perfect opportunity. This eunuch just went to Jerusalem, is now leaving Jerusalem, and is literally reading from the portion of Isaiah that has to do with the messianic promise of Jesus and his suffering. So, I mean, this is a total setup that God is giving Philip to be able to minister to this person. You see, sometimes our faith is small and we, we worry about what the outcomes are going to be, but in reality, God is orchestrating all the events together in ways that we could not even plan. You know, I'm sure many of you probably have uh, moments in your own life where you prayed for something or you found out something later and you didn't even realize how all these things lined up in perfect timing and that it was much more than just coincidence. It was the God working and acting in a powerful way to maybe help you out in your financial situation, help you meet a specific person that you needed to meet, help protect you from a situation that could have gone worse. You know, I think of so many stories in my own life and the life of people that are around me where this exact thing happened. And God's timing is perfect. But we need to realize, too, that while God orchestrates the events, that we still need to allow our will to be given unto him, that we can't just wrongly think that, well, God's just going to work everything out. You've seen that happen, right, where someone just thinks so strongly that, well, you know, God is sovereign, and I believe, trust me, I believe that God is sovereign, but thinks so strongly that God is sovereign that they actually don't participate in anything that God is doing. You know, unfortunately, and not to knock any of you that have more of a a Calvinistic bent, but sometimes that can happen within that camp of people, right? Where they can be so convinced that God is going to save an individual or that God is going to move in a sovereign way that they can fail to recognize their part in that story, You see, we still need to realize that God is calling his people to move. God was using Philip in this situation, right? And he was still speaking to Philip, and still Philip had to have a willingness to do something about it and to listen to God appropriately and then to go. You know, I think about a tragic story in in some of our history. Um, You might not know, but uh, a couple hundred years ago medicine wasn't as good as it was today <laughs> and there's this interesting story of 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 medicine that I I had learned of recently and it's by the gentleman who who is named Ignaz Semmelweis or Semmelweis and Ignaz um, Semmelweis he was specifically a doctor doing research, and he was doing research for pregnant mothers who were giving birth. So what he did was is he set up this scientific study with two different groups of people that were delivering children. Now at this time, it was the death rate during um, pregnancy was incredibly high, specifically during childbirth was incredibly high and they and he recognized after isolating these two groups of people one was a group of doctors and then the other one was a group of midwives so believe it or not if you were getting your baby delivered by the group of of doctors you had a five time more ch- likelihood chance of 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 end, ending up dead <laughs> So your chances of, 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 of survival were five times less than if you were being delivered by a group of midwives. Now, in, that's pretty interesting, right? So he wanted to figure out, well, this is the same ward. You know, we're, we're in the same area. What is going on? Why is it that these doctors are killing five times more women than these midwives are? So he began to isolate, like as a a person of science should, right? So he began to isolate each one of the variables and what was happening. So one of his conclusions was, well, maybe it's the priest that walks around and rings the bell after somebody dies and is frightening the women to death. (laughs) So he got the priest to to ease off on the the death bell. (laughs) Well, that didn't work. That wasn't the reason. So he started one by one just kind of trying to figure out what was going wrong and what he could do in these maternity wards in order to help out. So eventually, after he exhausts all of his resources and trying to, to figure out what's going wrong and why these women are dying, he ends up leaving frustrated. He gets news that one of his friends had died of the same disease that the women were dying from, and he tries to figure out what happened there. And he identifies that while he was performing an autopsy on one of the women, he pricked his finger. And the doctor at that moment realizes that these infections can be transferable. So not really understanding that much about infections or bacteria and all these things that are on a, on, on a micro level, he goes back to the hospital and he gets all of the doctors to wash their hands with soap and then chlorine because he realized that the difference between how the midwives were delivering babies and how the doctors were delivering babies is that the doctors would perform autopsies, and then from the autopsies, they would go and deliver babies, and they would never wash their hands in between, so there would be cadaver particles in them, and then they would be infecting these pregnant wives in the middle of their childbearing, and then they would die of fever. So this doctor goes and tells him, okay, we're going to start washing our hands and you're going to start putting chlorine. And he didn't even know how effective chlorine was. He just wanted to deal with the smell of a cadaver. But yet he was dead, right? And then all of a sudden, all the, the death rates start dropping dramatically. But what, that, what, what does that end up doing? the doctors end up realizing that they're to blame for the deaths of all of these women. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just the will of God that these women died. It was their fault. But they were more comfortable with an idea that this was just the will of God. So they end up kicking this guy out, firing him, and he ends up himself going insane later. Because he's rejected by the medical community for what he's trying to offer them even though he ends up being the father of, of of dealing with infectious diseases and preventing that and hand washing so why am i bringing up this story because even though the will of god matters and even though ultimately god is in control we still play a part you still play a part. And your willingness to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit can and will make a difference in someone's life. Yes, God will still bring about what we read in the book of Revelation. But I want to be a part. I want to be one of the individuals that helps build the kingdom to the place that God wants the kingdom to go. And I pray that you do too. That you would be a part of it as well. My last and final point for you today is to understand this, that kingdom building happens everywhere. Kingdom building happens everywhere. Acts Eight thirty four says this. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very, the very, that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus. Verse thirty six. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Did he teleport? (laughs) I always wanted to know that, right? I'm not sure. (laughs) But it suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He probably just left. <laughs> but when I was younger, I used to think, oh man, it's like back to the future, and he's just gone. <laughs> but the important point here is that kingdom building happens everywhere. Everywhere. Now I want to talk about something that is important here. What did Philip do in this moment? In verse 35 it said specifically that he began to explain the passages of scripture. How do you explain the passages of scripture? You need to know the passages of scripture. So what should that tell you and me? That we need to be prepared. You know, one of my favorite verses comes out of First Peter, and it's 1 Peter 3.15. It says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. And the Greek word right there for prepared means to be ready, to have readiness, to, to, to be ready on hand, to be prepared, to give an answer. The Greek word for that answer is apologia which means to give a a defense, an argument, an answer for. To everyone who asks you to give the reasons for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Philip was ready. He was prepared, and because he knew scriptures and spent time learning about the gospel and learning about its impact in his life, he was able to immediately hear the passages of scripture that this gentleman was reading and witness to him. Church, I know that I'm the one up here mainly preaching, I'm not saying that you need to be able to be up here preaching, but you need to be able to know the reasons why you are a Christian. You need to know the importance of the gospel. If you don't, for yourself, know truly what the gospel is and how to explain that to somebody else, then fix it. Because that is the hope of heaven. That is the hope of this world. If you can't, for yourself, know what it means to even give a to make a disciple and how important that is then you're missing out on a whole entire calling that God has on your life because I believe God calls everybody to be able to give a witness of truth of who Jesus is that if you are a Christian that is part of your calling it's just figuring out how to blend that with whatever you're doing For me, it's a little bit more obvious, right? (laughs) But if you're fixing ACs, it ends up being a bit different. Or fixing cars, or working in the hospitals, or what have you. It ends up being a little bit different. But I want to point something important out about this story. And about point three specifically. That kingdom building happens everywhere. You see, we read in the beginning parts of this passage that where was the Ethiopian eunuch originally? He was in Jerusalem. And what was he doing there? He was studying and he was worshiping. Why didn't God answer his questions or have him saved while he was at the temple? I don't know. But what I do know is that God is not limited to a building. Amen? God was not limited to the city of Jerusalem, but that God used a willing soul to be able to reach out to this other individual, and it happened on the road. How amazing is it that God called Philip to go to a different place, and even in the middle of that journey, right when it's beginning, God is showing Philip that there is, the opportunities are there. You see, sometimes we think that, that we're only going to begin our ministry once we've gotten to a certain place, but in reality, God has you doing ministry all along the journey. Ministry, didn't for me, didn't start the minute I became a licensed pastor. It didn't start the minute I went to seminary school or college or youth group or whatever. It started the minute I was willing To allow God to use me. And that is the same for each of you. Your ministry starts the minute that you are willing to be used by the Holy Spirit. And let this story be a reminder to you. That oftentimes the best places to reach people sometimes are outside of the temple. They're outside of the church. They're on the roads. They're in the subways. They're on the trains or in, over a meal at dinner or at a quilting retreat or what have you. That it's just about being open and willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. And to run in the spirit. And that if you do that, the opportunities of your life to be able to witness and speak truth with love to other people, I believe, will open up substantially. Let's pray. Father, we